As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome to the Growler edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here to get you prepared for this weekend's epic tilt. Doesn't get bigger than this, folks. Bengals, Jags, Paul Brown Stadium. You could just, I mean, it's been hard, the, the, the throngs of national media giving this game attention all week. It's been hard to really, you know, sift through it all. I'm sure you're all sick of hearing about it because it's just every time you turn on ESPN or Fox Sports 1 or anything, it's just, gosh, Bengals, Jags all the time. Enough Bengals, Jags preview coverage. No, we're probably one of the few talking about it. So here we are. Jay, how's it going? D- doing well. Looking forward to Sunday, actually. I think we're going to see the local men score in this game, as opposed to what we've seen the last couple of days. Yes. E. Yeah, about that. <laughs> <laughs> Not great, Bob. But we'll, we'll, so we'll we'll move on since baseball season is now over. We will uh, move on to the happiness and joyful place that is Bengals Twitter. Um, and we've got we're gonna we're gonna talk and I I honestly am like so exhausted from this. I I've reached the point with discussing the Bengals offensive line that I I I, I have a hard time doing it anymore. We have made every point. We know every angle. We know where it's been screwed up and why it stinks and how hard it is to watch and what's gonna happen to Joe Burrow and and in the thoughts from the team and how they view things and, and all these like I just I'm exhausted from talking about this topic however we're gonna go back in because the the new thing this week is we actually heard from Jim Turner for the first time all year right yeah yeah since the uh since the off season. so first time all year we've heard from Jim Turner so um much maligned I guess Jim Turner is kind of I think that goes in front of his name now um so, and it was, as it typically is with him, um, loquacious, controversial. I mean, those things are almost like a given with him, it seems like, uh, every time. Um, we're going to bring you some of the ad- that audio and talk about that. I want to talk a little bit about Tyler Eifert, uh, which Jay, who Jay wrote about this week. Um, update on some injury stuff. We've got a really good run passer boot for you to play with your friends. Um 
We have two growler bets, one for Jay and I, and one for you to try to win a delicious growler of 50 West beer on us. Stick around to the end of the pod for that. Your chance to win. All you got to do is put in your entry with hashtag Bengals growler bet on Twitter or email me, P Daner, D E H N E R, at theathletic.com. We'll tell you what that is later. Um, Jay's also got tie stats. <laughs> Stick around about. for that. <laughs> Stick around for that. That's the tease, right? Uh, reminder, all the stuff that we have up on the site, um, whether you're talking about Reds coverage, baseball playoff coverage, in-depth Bengals, AFC North whip around is up now to get inside information on all the AFC North. Uh, read more about how incredible Everton is playing in the Premier League from Greg O'Keefe and everybody we have over at the UK. Uh, offices all for one dollar per month right now limited time i don't know how much longer we're going to do this um but you should get in on it now just go to theathletic.com slash hear that podcast growling and uh you can get the one dollar per month link there to subscribe so please do um all right let's talk about the offensive line again oh um so jim turner spoke and he called bobby hart steady and he tried to explain why it ain't so bad on the offensive line and all these things. Rather than me explain it, he's a, he is a unique person. He is a unique personality. He has a unique way of saying things in monologues occasionally. Um, so I figure we just bring you two answers from Jim Turner about the generals of the offensive line and specifically about Bobby Hart. So here is Bengals offensive line coach. Jim Turner. Figuring out the cause isn't always uh, just black and white. Okay, so it's just a chemistry there, right? So you have uh, Xavier Suofilo at right guard, right? And then, uh, and so when he gets hurt in the first game, you know, and now you've got to play another player. So now you, you play Fred Johnson. Fred Johnson's been playing tackle for us. So Fred's a tackle for us, right? So we put t- uh, Freddie in there. Why do we put Freddie in there? We put Freddie in there because we think that Freddie's been loaded uh, with talent, and he has been loaded with talent. And if we can get Freddie to turn the light on, okay, and become a professional player, and really just become a ball player and just become dedicated to the game, I think he will be a hell of a player. If he doesn't, he'll be an average player, and he won't play. So he's got, that light's got to go on for him. That light has to go on for him. You can see talent there. And obviously you can see size and power and all those other things. Um, so, again, you, you're trying to put the best five players on the field. When your front five get hurt, when one of your front five get hurt, you know, the next guy up, you know, isn't as good as the guy that just got hurt. So you're trying to find a five guys that can fit together now that now with the injury. And every team's got injuries, so I ain't whining. I'm just telling you the way it is, right? So we got to find that. we got to find five guys that can play well together. And then the other thing is this, you know, you got to move these players around. You've got to move these players around. You know, I move guys around, and uh, and just listening to the uh, to the wind blowing, uh, you know, it's like that's a mistake. But the other night I'm watching the Raiders game. They talk about Tom Cable and the Raiders when they won a week ago on Monday Night Football, whatever night it was. And so well, he's a genius for revolving guys around because now when you have injuries, guys have experience at different positions. You only go into a game with eight players. You got eight players. Which means if somebody goes down, you might be playing a guard at tackle. You might be playing a tackle at guard. They have to be. And one of the reasons we keep the sixth 
seventh and eighth players because they can play different positions. They're just locked into a position. Like if you look at Freddie, Freddie can play guard or tackle. You look at Billy, Billy can play center or guard. Okay, you look at uh, some of these other players, like Hakeem Adenogy. He can play all three. Now, he's never played center, but I will snap, I will get him snapped at center at some point. But you really have to do a great, like if you, if you go to our practices, right, and you'll see that I'm involved with those guys all the time for this reason, because all of a sudden you play in your first game and Xavier Suofilo's hurt and he's out. So what do you do? You've got to find the next best thing to fit in there. Then you got to find a rhythm, right? So a lot of guys need experience in this offense. We couldn't ask for any more from our quarterback than we're getting for a young player the way he is. Um, as far as handling the offense, you know, it has nothing to do with him. We just got to be better up front. We got to be coordinated as an offense, running the football better, and then uh, and we need to throw the ball less. We need to have success running the ball, throw the ball less, and there won't be so much pressure uh, on our tackles uh, to survive in one-on-one blocks. Now, if, if you're an NFL player, right, one of the arts to call in a game and one of the arts to being good at this profession is that they don't always know when you're throwing the ball. If they know when you're throwing the ball, it's hard. It's hard on an offense. If they know when you're throwing that football, it's hard. And so uh, you really got to be sharp about how, how you do it. You mentioned Bobby Hart being very steady. What do you see from him that makes you believe that he's that steady? So I'll tell you what I see from him. If you really watch the games, right? So you really got to watch the game. You really got to watch these guys and see what the situation is. Like when they give up pressures, when they give up sacks. What is it? Sometimes is the quarterback holding the ball. Does he get it out on time? There's a timing to everything that we do. So it's not always what meets the eye. And I think that out of all of my players, Bobby Hart is the most underappreciated player and the most picked on player by everybody. Uh, from the media to whoever wants to talk football, it's like every every issue that we've ever had is blamed on that kid. And to me, nobody has put more time or effort into our offense, like in preparation for this season and understanding his weaknesses and then training and, and getting himself ready to play for this season. If you watch him play, right, he played three solid games. Now, does he give up a sack at the end of the game? Yeah, a guy gives up a sack at the end of the game. That's the, that's the hard thing about this position is it's like playing corner. You could have a, you you could play a seventy play game at corner, and if you give up a, a touchdown pass late in the game and the other team wins the game, guess what? You're the bird, right? So like you give up a sack late in the game, right? So those sacks late in the game, you know, Bobby had one late in the game against Billy, and then Billy had one later. Well, those sacks, right? Those sacks, you know. At the end of the game, right, that's just catastrophic, you know? And I think that's what we have to change as a unit. When the game's on the line, right, that's when we have to play our best football. Game's on the line, we got to play our best. That's when we got to dig in. But to answer your question about Bobby, I think Bobby's playing the best football I've seen him play in his career right now. I think mentally he's in a great place right now. I think he's unaffected by anything that's said about him. And I think he knows, like, if you watch his side of the line, Okay, it's solid. Now, he, and he's had a revolving door over there, right? It hasn't always been easy for him as far as who's playing next to him. So uh, I'm very comfortable with the way he's playing. I am not worried about Bobby Hart. Okay, deep breath. Um, I went into a little bit of sort of an analysis of the Bobby Hart answer. Um, what's right? What's wrong? What should be a little scary? Um and that's that's up on the site, so you can read more into that um, if you'd like. Um, but let's, your Jay, I'll start. I'll I'll start with you. I mean, wh- what's your takeaway from this 
from from the latest that we've heard from Jim Turner about the state of the offensive line? I think my my biggest takeaway was was more the the tone. Um, he's he's brash. He's confident. Um, he sounded a little more defensive this time. He he still stuck up for his guys, um, but he he did he felt a little more on his heels um, than we've heard in the past. So I I don't know I. I'm not so he's he's you mentioned this he's stuck up for Bobby since day one that we met him um th- when that, he didn't have to <laughs> when he didn't have to now that's the I mean, thing back then that's, he didn't have to he wasn't even his player then and, and now he now he kind of does because they don't really have an option there I mean unless you think they're gonna they're gonna stick six round pick Hakeem Adeniji in there it, it's almost like he he needs to he needs to keep pumping up Bobby Hart because you don't want to lose that guy mentally or, you know, anything along those lines. Um, maybe the tone will be different when we get to the combine, if we go to the combine. But when we get to combine season, if there is a combine, I keep <laughs> keep contradicting myself here. But when we get to draft season next year, maybe the tone changes a little bit. Um, of course, a lot of that's going to depend on how Bobby plays in, in these final 13 games. But it's just. I, I agree with him in some regard that I do think Bobby gets more criticism than is warranted, but a lot of it is warranted. So I guess it's just, you know, it's like a parent sticking up for a kid. You're you're going to see the good in them um, more than other people do. But I, I, I thought Jim sounded a little bit more defensive and maybe it was the tone of the questions. I don't know, but that that's what struck me the most. I mean, I don't think Bobby Hart is going to be here next year, not as a starter, personally. I I have been wrong on Bobby Hart before. <laughs> I have been surprised by their handling and view of Bobby Hart before. That said, even knowing that, that feels like a position that they will focus on fixing this offseason, whether it's with a top draft pick that they're likely to have or whether it's in free agency. Um, I think they find someone to play that position with more upside. And maybe they keep Bobby Hart on his pretty big salary with almost no dead money as a swing guy just for depth. I mean, maybe when we're, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. But my point is this is you're right. We'll answer those questions about him then. For now, he's what they got. And he has, if you are into whatever metric you're into or if you're into the eyeball test, right? I mean, you know, PFF has him about average, 40th of 64 qualifiers if you look at overall grade. Um. I, you will take that from Bobby Hart. I think I think a big part of where the defense comes from is they feel like they're getting maybe the most out of Bobby Hart. Like the, he is a limited player. That is a known quantity. He is you just don't want him to be a total liability. He's not going to be he's never going to be a guy who's going to be great. Like I and maybe I'll be proven wrong, but don't we know who he is at this point? He's never going to be a guy that's going to be great. You want him to be maybe below average to average range, which is where he is of the overall grade right now. It, the problem is 
He struggled in pass pro, obviously. And you're throwing it so much that it exposes him more often. And it's, you know, he leads the league in pressures. Okay. Yeah. If you want to, but they've dropped back so much. They've asked so much of him as part of that. And as far as efficiency, he's not the worst, but he's in that bottom quad. And that, you know, that's who they have right now. That's their fault for not addressing it more, for not being more aggressive in addressing the entire line, but we've been over that too. You know, I just think he feels like they're getting a lot out of Bobby Hart and people are blaming everything on him when actually they probably should be blaming things elsewhere, like the people next to him. You know, I think their thought is, look, he's had to play next to three dudes who none of them have played particularly well and a couple of them have played particularly awful and had to go up against Joey Bosa and Miles Garrett and Brandon Graham and and hasn't totally been the reason it's been screwed up up front. And I think for that sort of the ripping the uh you know the cover off of way of saying that's where the, I think the core of where the hard defense comes from. And I moving on from like you said it's not all Bobby it's who's next to him and then you look on the other side I think part of why Jim Turner sounds more defensive is you know, Jonah Williams has not looked great. Michael Jordan has not. He's had two back-to-back bad games. And so you're you're right. The, Bobby Hart is who he is. They're expecting a lot more out of Jonah Williams and Michael Jordan, and they're not getting it. And that falls on coaching. And I, I think maybe that's where some of the defensiveness comes in when we you, you talk about the, the line as a whole. Um, yeah, I, I mean – I, I get asked all the time, is there a chance that we see them make a change uh, this year? And and I say no. They're they're not going to – Zach Taylor and Jim Turner are tied together, and nothing's going to happen in the middle of the season. If if this keeps going, then, then you know, maybe we do see some staff changes uh, at the end of the year. But I, I don't – I don't see anything happening – you know, personnel wise before we get to January. Look, they had the chance to bring Bill Callahan in and work with his son. Uh, you know, arguably one of the best offensive line coaches in the game. And it was, as far as I know, it was never really even a consideration. Um, it was, look, it's, it's Jim Turner. Like they thought he did a good job last year. Um, with the way the running game turned around and they thought they were getting some serviceable play out of some poor parts. The thing is, a lot of those poor parts are back. Um, you know, I, the, the room, as far as much as we know, the room does seem to like him as far as his very unique style, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's, this is who he is. Um, and, and that's, it's where they're at. I mean, the bottom line is if, if they want to, if they cared about upgrading and not have to deal with serviceable parts and trying to make them play to cert to up to certain levels or be something they hadn't been yet in some cases. Um they cared more about that. They would have prioritized it more in the offseason. They didn't. They said we believe in these guys and we believe in Jim Turner's ability to develop them. So when it doesn't happen, it is on him. It is on them. But like you said, they're they're tied together. So what happens next? You know, I think we'll see continued up changes. We'll probably see a another starter at right guard. Is Alex Redmond going to be the guy at this point, I guess? Maybe they're going to go to. Um, 
looks like he might get a shot. Um, does that again? It goes back to what we said earlier this week. What does it matter? <laughs> I mean, what are we talking about? Are we really weigh? It's like again, are we weighing Fred Johnson and Billy Price versus Alex Redmond? Like any of them don't weigh the same. We're talking about the same stuff. You're just hoping to catch some sort of anything to get you through however long it's going to be until you start seeing Xavier Suavilo again. Um, it's, you know, it's what it's going to be, and they're going to have to find ways to work around this problem for a while. I, I mentioned this on the uh, reaction on your brief. For, for those of you that are still kind of unfamiliar, but we, we have this new thing on the on the athletic app where it's it's – it's it's kind of like Twitter. It's a little bit more expanded. Twitter, we're we're posting uh, short little briefs and, and reactions to other people's briefs. And um, you know, you wrote about what Jim said about Bobby Hart, and I, I got on there and and re- mentioned that if Fred Johnson is the choice at right guard this week, it'll it'll mark just the second time in the Zach Taylor era that the Bengals have started the same five offensive linemen three weeks in a row. And that's that's a high. They've never done it more than three weeks in a row. So that is part of the problem as well. Part of it is guys getting hurt. Part of it is Jim Turner's um I don't know if you want to say reliance, but just his preference for shuffling guys around when they're not performing um and again you you don't see it with bobby hart because there's not an option there but that that is worth noting that that the inconsistency uh, of the, of being able to trot the same five guys out week after week after week is is a big reason why they're at where they're at right now with that group i mean how is that possible <laughs> <laughs> I, and i i know last year there was such a mix and match with injury and trying to find anybody who could be competent at a number of different positions. And you've had a little bit of injury this year, but how is that possible? <laughs> I mean, theoretically, they should have some continuity if they can, if, if it's just right, everything else has continuity except right guard right now. But um, again, I, I can't do this anymore, Jay. Like, I just can't, I can't keep talking about the line anymore. Like, we know what this is. I'm, I, we gotta, we, I gotta move on. All right, let's take a quick break here and uh, hear from one of our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You talked to Tyler Eifert, uh, who makes his return back to Cincinnati. The most interesting thing I thought was... Him just saying, yeah, they told me straight up, nope, not re-signing you. 
Uh, I thought Zach Taylor's reaction to that was interesting, and 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 Eifert on that was was interesting. Yeah, I I, I was surprised by that too. Um, that because I asked Tyler if if he thought there was if he ever felt like there was a chance he was he would be able to resign in Cincinnati, and if he felt like if he ever felt like he was in the plans for for the future of the Zach Taylor era. And, and he said, yeah, they, they pretty much told me, uh, no, we're not going to resign you. And, and I, I thought about when, when, when I asked Zach about it, I didn't want it to seem like a trap. Cause I didn't want to say, was he in your plans and have Zach just say, Oh yeah, we discuss everybody. And so I, I, I prefaced this, the, the question by saying Tyler said you were up front with him. You know, what was the reason? And, and Zach, he was he was really good about laying it out that that they they like the group they have there um they didn't go out and get anybody else to replace Tyler Eifert they did sign a guy as an undrafted free agent but you're going to you're going to do that at posi- at all positions um and he he said as as a as someone like Tyler that has given as much to this organization as he has and who has fought through all those rehabs that they felt they owed it to him. And he said that he feels that the players appreciate that. Um, it's hard to read in to whether Tyler appreciated that or not. He, he it, it was just kind of a matter of fact answer from him. So uh, I, it didn't seem like he was bitter, but it didn't seem like he was super appreciative of the message either. So who knows about that? But it, it I wasn't really surprised that they, they didn't try to make a, an effort to re-sign him just because he is getting older. He does have the injury history and just they didn't use tight ends that much last year. And even though he played a, a full 16 game season, he wasn't a huge part of that offense. Um, although he did want to have one of the most memorable plays of the season, that <laughs> that game tying touchdown in Miami on the final play of the game to force overtime that had most Bengal fans saying what are you doing <laughs> he he never he never felt like a fit with this team last no. year like it, he, he he always felt like some sort of you know front office luxury the front office just like him and wanted to keep him but they he's not the type of tight end that they like they like the type of tight ends that are really more do everything hybrids where when Eifert was out there you knew what they were doing you knew he was out there to catch passes and I don't think they liked that and they you know they want one they play so much 11 personnel and they want their tight end to be able to to not be sort of pigeonholed a little bit and and for that reason it just never seemed like they meshed with that they found a way to work some a pack packages in for him last year and he was productive but you know i'm not that is the it never seemed like a, a mesh with this particular staff at all um that said um, you know, he was, you know, I think the reason he was there is because he was beloved by his teammates and, and the organization and there's just had so much respect for him. So, uh, and, the, and I think everybody will, I mean, it might be, a a, a muted, uh, standing ovation, but the 6,000 that'll be there on Sunday, I'm sure we'll have a lot of appreciation for Eifert, um, when given an opportunity to applaud him. Um, uh, injury update you know as you're listening to this you may the injury report may even be out depending on when you're listening to it but um you know Gino looks like he's getting closer has been limited 
I was limited the first two days of practice this week. That's at least a move in the right direction for those that are worrying about why this continues to go on so long. Um, we will see if he plays or not. But the fact that he is has moved up into a limited role, he's out there a little bit, um, is reason to believe that if not Sunday, and again, check our Twitter feeds or check the real time on the app. We'll have updated it if you're listening to this and don't know what happened. But um, we'll see what the injury report says. I'm going to guess he'll be questionable uh, if I was guessing anything. All right. Run, pass, or boot as we get into the logistics of Sunday. What will be higher? Joe Mixon rushing yards, A.J. Green receiving yards, Randy Bullock field goal yards. So we're not counting extra points, just field goal yards for old Randy there. Uh this is a good one. Play at home. Play with your friends. See see where you land on this. Because I, I think you could make legit arguments for all three. The, 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 I, this is going to be – this is a really good one. I think they all – you could make an argument for all three. I am going to run with Randy Bullock field goal yards. I am going to pass – on Joe Mixon rushing yards and I'm going to boot AJ Green receiving yards. I think I think they get Mixon going a little bit more. I still am not sold on AJ breakouts happening anytime soon. Um so for that and I think they're, they're they they just kick field goals. It's it's, it's what they do right now. So um I, I will say the red zone thing continues to haunt them and Randy kicks uh, more than a few field goals. So that's that's where I'm at with it. What do you got? Yeah, I, I went the exact same way. I, I think that we see a season high from Mixon. I think they do get him going in this game. The, the Jaguars defense is not very good. Um, they've got some injuries on the, on the defensive line. Um, I, I, but when they get in the red zone, they, they bog down. And, and even if Joe's running like crazy between the twenties, if they get down in the red zone and they can't punch it in, you're, you're going to settle for field goals. Randy Bullock is one of the NFL leaders in field goals right now. Um, that's because of the struggles in the red zone. So you figure even if he just, if he kicks three, which is about what he's averaging, he's got eight field goals in three games. He should have nine. We all know that. Um, so if, if he sticks with his average of three and you figure they're about four, he those average about 40 per kick, you're looking at 120. I think they get Joe going, but it, that might be a little too much to, to expect. Joe to get 120. Um, and in the same way, I'll, I'll, I'll boot AJ Green. I do think he is going to, that is going to be a focus to get him going. Um, but whether he can go over the top and, and get one or two big gainers that would put him in the same mix with those other two, that still seems doubtful. So I, I think we see more targets for AJ than we saw last week, but I, I don't think the yards are going to be there. So, uh, run with, run with Randy Bullock, pass on Joe Mixon and boot. AJ Green, just like you. I mean, when you when you look at it, J- Jacksonville has struggled a little defensively in the red zone. I mean, they're they're in the bottom portion, twenty uh, fifth in red zone defense. So, you know, I think there's 
maybe reason to believe that they can be more efficient down there because Jacksonville's had their own problems. Of course, Jacksonville's had problems everywhere defensively. Um, so maybe maybe that's an argument, and that, maybe that's a reason to have some optimism about the Bengals. The other reason maybe to have some optimism about the Bengals this weekend is, you know, they're not a very they're they're not anywhere near the pass rushing teams that they have seen through the first three weeks. I mean, through the first three weeks in in defense. Now, part of that is the fact they all played the Bengals. I mean, these are three; those were three of the top performing pass rush, you know, win rate whatever analytic you want to use um, three of the best pass rushing teams in football and three of the best that they'll, the, the Bengals will see all year. Um, so the idea of finally far, starting to see some teams, some teams that aren't as dynamic getting after the passer is obviously to the Bengals advantage. Cause if it looks right now, the way Joe Burrow has been playing the, the, the way he's played, particularly with a clean pocket and played when he's able to flush out, but particularly the way he's played and thrown in a clean pocket, um, they can put up points if they can just give him some time. And if you can start to face some teams that aren't as dynamic getting after the passer, you could see Burrow having some really big days. He's had some big days already, but bigger days. And then score more points and, and not miss out on a few of those plays that they've missed out because he drops back and there's a guy right in his grill. So... For that fact, I think there's also reason for hope on Sunday. Um, Jay, you've got some stats because nobody wants to see a tie again. <laughs> well, we won't. Your, can you give me your tie stat, and then we'll get to the growler bet and prediction. Yeah, I was I was curious about this, so I went and looked at all the ties um, Going back Jesus. to what a sad way to start something. <laughs> I went back and looked at all the ties. Well, <laughs> my uh, the that wasn't the intentional. The, the the initial thing is I just went and looked and to see how the Bengals did the week after their previous ties, and they're they're zero and two. Even though they have three <laughs> previous ties, one was the demoralizing was, tie rate. <laughs> one one was in London uh, against Washington, so they didn't play the final week. So I was like, well, I wonder what what other teams have done after their ties. And uh, NFL teams are one and nine in the their last ten chances in the week after a tie. Whoa and. You you go back even farther. They're they're twelve and thirty. Um, it, what you you could say? Well, yeah. If you're tying, you're probably a bad team. Uh, but that's not the case. There's there have been Super Bowl teams. There have been multiple teams that have made conference championships um, on this list that that had a tie. And I don't know if it's playing the extra quarter of football because remember way back when the overtime not way back when just a few years ago overtime was 15 minutes instead of 10 so that that was taxing to play that whole extra quarter i don't know if that plays into it or what the deal is but yeah it's if you tie more often than not you lose the following week and and you have to go all the way back to 1978 to find a game where to find a tie where both teams won the following week so if you want to wager a little money, I would bet. Parlay. Uh, bar, yes. <laughs> bet against the Eagles and the Bengals. I don't know if you want to parlay because maybe one of them sneaks out a win. But if you bet on both, you're 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 most likely going to push. And good chance you win both. Bengals also were 0-3 in games they were favored in last year. 
Um, if you're into such things, of course, they were owing a lot of different factors last <laughs> year. But uh, the only three games they've been favorited in the Zach Taylor era. This is the first of this year. Um, yeah, that's wow. That's wild. Degenerate alert. Degenerate <laughs> alert. The underground tie the next week factor. Man. Before we move on here on the growler, let's do some sponsor talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's get into the growler bet. We got two growler bets. Um, One for our listeners and our readers and our followers. So if you're listening to this, get ready. Get ready to do some math and make your brain work. We've had enough of these non-complicated growler bets, okay? It's time to get complicated here on the growler. And that means you're going to have to work. Get out your pens. Get your old school calculators. If you're younger, you get out your phone. There used to be this thing called a calculator, and you they'd have they had the scientific calculator. Remember, I, you know what? This is a good time to break this out. So with, with Tyler coming back in the, the very first year of his career, you know, there's like this weird thing when you're a writer um, to try to come up with nicknames for players and hope that they stick and becomes a thing. Like Dan Horde was the first I heard with the Red Rifle. Um, you've you've heard you know different. People, when you ever go back to the history of a popular nickname, a lot of times it's coined by writers writing about it, especially back in the day in the like 70s and 80s. Well, when Tyler Eifert first started, I thought I had the greatest nickname ever for him. And that was because as a, as a kid with a, with a scientific calculator, it was the TI-85 calculator. And... Everybody talked about with Tyler Eifert about how he flips the percentages in the red zone and the math goes from you're going to go from a field goal to a touchdown and that's higher percentage points. So I said, T.I.F. 85. He was going to be the T.I.F. 85. And it was like I was so excited about it and I, I floated it out there in a podcast and I dropped it into a couple of stories. It was universally panned, universally disliked. People either people didn't have the calculator, they thought it was a dumb nickname, which in retrospect, maybe it was a little too nerdy. But I really thought it had a chance. I told Tyler about it. He really didn't like it. But still, I really thought it had a chance. So with Tyler coming back, us talking about calculators, reminder that that was my biggest nickname failure. I still think the TIF TIF85 is a good nickname. I digress. I let I let it go a long time ago. Just want to need to get that off my chest. Is but Texas you, Instruments even still a company? I don't know. Probably. Do they still make those? They might be making different stuff now. I would hope because if they're in the calculator business, they're in trouble. When my kids were in high school, they had to buy that that scientific calculator. It's like one hundred thirty dollars. Oh, I mean, yeah, those I things were insane. But the good thing is, you know, you buy one and then it's it's good for the next kid three years later. But yeah, I don't. It's still in a drawer somewhere. If anybody wants to. Wants to buy it for cheap? Hit me up on Twitter. Or you need to do cosine 
Trigonometry. It's just like, oh my God. Sine, cosine. What we, who needs this? I'm sure there's people out there that do like business with math and stuff who are like, man, I cosine all the time. I just I don't see it out there. I don't see a lot of sine, cosine. Why are we teaching our kids this? That's why actuaries make so much money, because there's not a lot of them. That's true. All right. Sorry about that tangent. Uh, <laughs> point being, complicated growler for you. Here's what I'm doing. I'm trying to come up with an offensive line inefficiency number for you. And that means I had to do a few things. The first, we're going to take sack yardage. Okay, sack yardage plus offensive line penalty yardage. Any and all penalties against a star, an offensive lineman. Okay. Then we're adding in burrow rushing yardage. So that includes designed runs, but there's going to be some scrambling in there. So burrow rushing yardage in there. And then the kicker is the one where it gets complicated. So Joe Mixon, we're going to go off of Joe Mixon averaging four yards per carry, which would be okay. He hasn't been. He's been well below that. So Joe Mixon, if he has 20 carries, four yards per carry would be 80, right? So we're playing off the four yards per carry number. What would he be above or below an average of four yards per carry? So if Joe Mixon has 20 carries and he goes for 60 yards, that's a 20-yard difference. So that would be, even though it sounds like it should be negative 20, will be plus 20 because we're adding on, okay? So the difference in Joe Mixon versus four yards per carry, the total number on that is also added into this. Hope you follow that. Jay, do you follow that? I do follow that. Okay. So if Joe Mixon has two carries for 10 yards, then that that's a that's still a positive number because he got more than 4 per carry. So you would you negative would subtract two. you would subtract 2 from your total because he the 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 4 yard average would have put him at 8. He went over that by t- by 2. So that that's how you figure that number. Okay. So, with all that said, what is your number, Jay? This is for the this is for the growler bet. So, reminder, hashtag Bengals Growler Bet. Offensive line inefficiency number for us. Also, you can email me P Daner, P D E H N E R at theathletic.com. Please put growler in the subject because all I'm doing is I get a lot of emails, a lot of emails. So if you can just, I, I search for Growler and I look at all of them quickly. So if you don't put Growler in the subject head, you're pretty much eliminating yourself. So you can email me that. Of course, always hashtag Bengals Growler Bet on Twitter. And a, on us, a delicious Growler of 50 West beer can be yours. By the way, Home Sweet Home is out. It is the best fall beer, the best this time of year. It is, it is, it's incredible. It is so good. And they've canned it this year. They've got it at Kroger. Uh, if you're going there, if you're locally, they, so you can find it out in stores as well as going down to the brew pub. Highly, highly, highly recommend Home Sweet Home, and I would happily fill up one for you and one for me uh, if somebody wins. So that said, Jay, what's your number? All right, I'm going low. I'll show my work here. Um, I, I'm going 25. Wow. Um, I, I have. I, I figure three sacks for 21 yards, three sacks, seven yards per sack. That's That figures about average. I'm going to go kind of low on the penalties with 20 yards. Um, 
and Burrow rushing 16. So that's 57. And I, I think, I think Joe can go over that four yard average by 22 yards. So, uh, or 32 yards. So that's, that's where I'm going to land. I'm going to land on 25. I have 105. Oh my. I <laughs> 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 uh, I mean, I think. I think you're going to have I think you're going to have I got 25 in sack yardage, I have 30 in penalty yardage, I have 30 in burrow rushing yardage and I have Mixon going uh 20 yards below um a 4 yards per carry average. Um that's my Paul thought. Paul Downer Jr. Yeah, look, it's I have been called this before. It's just, it's just where the way I feel about it. And maybe I'll be way wrong. We shall see. But you get yours in for us. More importantly, okay, Bengals growler bet number two, which is deciding which one of us uh, will be either deferring or not on talking to Jeff Zrebeck next week, uh, who is our awesome writer who covers the Ravens, um, which will be for next week's growler. So, Jay, uh, we are doing – we're doing what the time of the first score by the Jaguars under two minutes. Is that what we're doing? No, the, the the time of the Jaguars last points in the first half. Okay. So typically teams score in the final two minutes, but it doesn't it's not guaranteed this way. Typically week. they do against the Bengals. As That's we, right. As we went over. So will we see that again? All right. I have I have mine, Jay. And I'm okay. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and pigeonhole myself a little bit, but I'm doing it. Ten seconds. Oh, okay. Well, we're, we're going right at the apart. end. I'm going right at the end. And this is too. This is not for for you guys to. This to is win just for us. So, but we, but we want to, um, you know, on the record, because we've seen this happen over and over and over again, and we've seen it this year with the Bengals struggling with this two minute offense. Jags got a pretty good offense. Gardner Minshew's kind of built for those type of situations. I think that they drive down and score right before halftime. So I'm just going all in with it. I'm saying ten seconds. Yeah, we decided that it would be the time of the snap uh, of the of that scoring play, not the time after the play was complete. So you're going ten seconds. Um, I'm, I'm going outside the two minute warning. I'm gonna I'm gonna buck the trend again. I'm going three twenty five. Going against your own stat, Jay. I don't like it. I don't like it's it. It's the Jaguars. Bit. It is the Jaguars. I mean, it's, something's got to turn here. Does it? <laughs> In theory, <laughs> prediction time. All right, what do you got? Gonna gonna buck, buck the trend again. Um, I, I think the Bengals figure out a way to pull this out. Um, I'm gonna say 24-20 Bengals. Okay, they cover again. I have officially reached the can't pick them to win until they prove it portion of the program. I I, I just I can't like I I can't go against. No one score wins. Like I, I, they, they have until they prove that they know how to do it, that they can win a game. And granted, it's the Jaguars, but the Jaguars have played well. They've laid the the egg against uh, Miami on Thursday night. But outside of that, I mean, they went, they're beaten, be beat Indianapolis. I mean, they they took Tennessee to the end, three point game against the Titans. Jaguars defense struggles. Uh, their offense is pretty good. Uh, I think high scoring, but I'm picking uh, Jags thirty one twenty eight. Um, because I, until, until again, it goes back to this. I, I think there's a lot of reasons the Bengals could, should win all these things until I see it. I just can't pick it. That's where I'm at with them right now. And maybe we'll see it this weekend and that would be a big deal. 
this a, this is a much bigger game than people give credit for because the, the way the schedule turns after this and if you're if you're o three and one heading to Baltimore and Indy it goes there it goes to that place again so big one for the Bengals on Sunday one you just need to win at some point you got to start winning. This is their opportunity. We shall see what happens. We, of course, will have the walkout for you uh, after the game, so make sure you look for that on Sunday evening. Uh, Ray recapping everything that went down at Paul Brown Stadium, potentially from under a bridge. That's what we did after the last home game. <laughs> we shall see where we uh, where we end up. But anyway, so a reminder, if you want to check out all of our coverage on The Athletic, not just the Bengals or the Reds or Cincinnati, all across the uh, United States, all sports, over into the UK. Uh, you can, of course, uh, subscribe. You get all of it for just $1 per month deal right now. Highly recommend this. Theathletic.com slash hear that podcast growling. And uh, you can just click on the link there to subscribe. $1 per month deal still going on. Make sure you take advantage of it. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody, uh, for listening to The Growler. And enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll talk to you afterwards. Have a good one, everybody.